It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Yo, and we are back. Another episode of Take Talk Podcast on the Fantasy Points Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brett Whitefield, joined by my usual co-host, Stephen O'Rourke. Steve, how are you, sir? I am fantastic. Couldn't be better. Great week of football. I'm excited to dive into it. Nice. Before we dive in, I got two things to note. One, I'm going to brag on Steve real quick. This is normally kept behind company doors here or behind the... (laughs) the curtain but um you know on the in the data side of the business anytime there's a standout performer a standout guy that's just you know carrying a heavy load we acknowledge that with what we call a game ball the game ball comes with a financial bonus and uh and also props in the 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 company chat obviously which is a lot of attaboys which might feel better than the the financial bonus honestly especially after the week we just had but um long story short steve was this week's game ball recipient and you know normally we don't I don't usually give out game balls to guys that are technically full time, but Steve just went that far above and beyond. It was absurd. Um, I think he, he had his hand on literally every single game. So um, that's, yeah. that's, insane. that's not normal. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's actually ridiculous. So uh, hats off to you, Steve. I wanted to acknowledge you to the millions and millions of listeners. Um, I appreciate that. Our, our company chat. So yes, thank you very much. Um, it was a good, week. It was a good week for it. Yeah, it, it was. Well, so some backstory there. One of our top producers was, you know, he got married this week. Shout out to Mikey T. Um, Mikey T got married. So he was, wasn't was with us. So, you know, that was a, a big workload off the table that needed to get replaced. And then we had a couple guys calling sick. We had a guy with an unexpected work trip come up for his full-time job. And long story short, we were massively shorthanded. And Steve, uh, he, he carried the team. He put the team on his back and said, we're getting to that finish line no matter what. So, um you don't know me, son. David Goggins style. Anyways, um, yeah, second thing to note, uh, the Buffalo Bills starting quarterback Joshua Allen has retired, and he's being replaced by Joshua Gallen. Um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. This is unexpected news, obviously, but um, it turns out, actually, he's been playing all season. So um, Josh Allen, nowhere to be found. Josh Gallen, however, is, is playing for the Buffalo Bills, and it has not looked pretty. Uh, Steve's having a hard time holding his composure. <laughs> I just didn't expect this. I was like, I was like, oh my gosh, is he about to break news live? And yeah. <laughs> uh, no, on a serious note, though, uh, we're gonna go game by game this week, so we'll get to that game. But Josh Allen did, in fact, not look like Josh Allen this week, or, or I should say, the last five weeks. But anyways, I digress. Steve, let's go game by game, but we're gonna do it differently we're gonna do it with like a focus on the playoff process yeah so we're not gonna spend a lot of time talking carolina chicago okay now that game was kind of a dumpster fire it was painful to watch tyson badgent is a cool story he's now what three is he has he won two games two and one two and one two and one one. yeah yeah two and one yeah so i mean that's cool maybe three and one now i'm confused anyways yeah Cool Either story way. there. He's not doing anything special, though, guys. Is like, yeah, he's proved he belongs in the league, probably. Backup quarterback trajectory with with developmental upside. But for the most part, like, we're, we're just, you know, there's really nothing to talk about there. So, I don't know. Do you have any notes on that game? You just want to move to the next one? No, I don't have any notes. I don't, like, that was actually one of the games I didn't really do Thursday night. And so, I kind of made oh, a true. conscious choice that I don't need to worry about this game that much. Wow, I need to... So I bragged on you for a minute. Now I got to brag on myself, by the way. I forgot about that. I gave you and Chris Thursday Night Football off. Yeah. And it's because I had the foresight to know that Sunday was going to be a crap show with everyone calling in sick and that you would have to to pull some extra weight. So I gave you the yeah. extra day or two of rest there. Wow. What a guy. Man, I, man, that's impeccable foresight there from, from, <laughs> from me. It is. All right, jumping into the Colts-New England game. This is another one where I don't have much. This was the Germany game, Frankfurt-Germany. Yeah, this game was a snooze fest. I think there was, what, 70 carries or 70 design runs in this game or something crazy like that. Um, New England 
couldn't do anything but run the ball. I think they only dropped back 27 times. It was it was a mess. Yeah. Get that and the, yeah, the Colts, the, the Colts ran well. I mean, it was an ugly game. It's too bad for the people of Germany that they had to see that after after getting all the excitement from the Kansas City Chiefs Dolphins game. They had to follow it up with that. Um, True. I don't know. The Colts are. I mean, really, the only thing of note is that the Colts are a frisky team. They find a way to win. I don't know. They're you know they are in the playoff race because fourteen of the teams in the AFC are in the playoff race right now, but. They're in a somewhat light division. Jaguars are beatable. Titans are beatable. So this is true. It, it's a team that, you know, could make some noise at times because their defense plays pretty well. And Gardner Minshew runs the offense and Jonathan Taylor looks to be back. I think that's the biggest thing for them. Technically, they're only like a half game out of the playoffs right now. So, right. That's what I mean is that there are literally, literally three through 14 the teams in the AFC are like fighting for playoff spots. Yep. It's very, dis, uh, very different than the, the NFC picture, which is almost, yeah, feels like it's basically locked in at this point, but right. Um, anyway, so yeah, moving on here, Cleveland, Baltimore, this game obviously had massive playoff implications. Both of these teams would be in the playoff hunt right now. They're battling for that division. They're battling for seeding. It's crazy. Um, I think Steve and I were kind of feeling like Baltimore was was showing that they were the cream of the crop in the AFC at least. Um, yeah. Re- recent games and and then the Browns they beat them on their home turf on Baltimore's home turf. This was this was pretty nuts. Thirty three to thirty one. What was your initial reaction to this game, Steve? I mean, it was just the chaos that ensued toward the end of the game. I mean, Baltimore was up thirty one seventeen, I think, in the fourth quarter. And, you know, seem, seemed to be, you know, at least hanging on to the lead, keeping him at bay. But then Lamar Jackson threw the interception to do some, took it back, um, took it back for six. And that shifted the way the game played. And Deshaun Watson went 14 for 14 in the second half, which. Whoa, whoa, hold on a second. Hmm. I don't want to cut you off. I have breaking news, literally breaking news. Oh, Deshaun. And this is serious. This is not a joke like the. Right. Segment. Deshaun Watson has suffered a season-ending shoulder injury in the first quarter against the Baltimore Ravens and is heading to injured reserve. It's wow. a displaced fracture in his right glenoid in his shoulder. He'll have surgery to repair it. Full recovery is expected. Pair that with what you just said. He went 14 for 14, you said? Yeah. In the second half with a broken yeah. shoulder? That's insane. But uh, that's P.J. Crazy. Walker, now their starting quarterback, uh, That's that's ugly. Yeah, so that com- I mean that completely changes the outlook coming out of this game because now yeah. you know with Deshaun Watson coming alive in the second half, now his numbers weren't insane. I mean, he obviously didn't throw an incompletion. There's a lot to be said about that, but it was a lot of short short completions. I think his eight out was around like three point nine. He you know kind of just was it was a little bit back to what Deshaun used to be, and that was he was being elusive. He was getting out of the pocket. He was extending plays. And it, a lot of it was check downs to guys outside yeah. of the pocket, which was fine. I mean, it, hey, it made it made it happen. They ended up winning the game. But with him being out, the way this team was playing without Deshaun Watson in the offense, I think that Cleveland's going to have a real tough uphill battle to try and make the playoffs now. I mean, their defense is going to keep them in – pretty much every game but i mean the ceiling of this offense just got lowered a ton with having pj walker be the starter and it's too bad because cleveland it did look like they were kind of getting into a groove in that game and yeah that's that's a huge blow for cleveland yeah that is that's um i mean they have some some easy-ish games coming up they got the cardinals well then the Ravens again, then the Steelers, Broncos no, are beatable, Rams are beatable, Jags are beatable. So they don't Chicago play the Ravens again, right? Huh? I said they shouldn't play the Ravens again. No. Oh, you're right. I'm looking at the wrong Wow. Brain fried live on air. Um <laughs> Pittsburgh this week. So yeah, Denver, Rams, Jags, Bears coming up. That's those are winnable games. Yeah. So I, I won't write them off, but it's gonna be tough. No. PJ Walker did not look good. But like you said, their defense will keep them in a lot of games. So yeah. obviously their defense is 
elite having a historical type season, it feels like. So for the Ravens, though, Steve, I mean, you feel any less about them? Nah, I mean, not really a ton. I think that, you know, this is a kind of a classic just in-division game where things get fluky. I think that Baltimore's upside is still there. I think that Lamar, you know, it's a tough defense, and they hemmed him in. Their pass rush was really good. It's really the first pass rush, I think, this season that we've kind of seen really give Lamar Jackson issues. Yeah. And so that, I mean, a lot of most quarterbacks in the NFL wouldn't have played well with with the pressure that they were getting in the second half. So overall, no, I don't think this worries me too much about Baltimore. I think that they're fine. I think that we could be, you know, outside of a couple plays, we could be looking at this in a different light where they beat Cleveland in a tough kind of shoot it out game or that, you know, if it's that it, that interception is what changed the game. If Lamar doesn't throw that, if that because that was a tipped interception, right? Popped up in the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, so Ronku, just, I think hit it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He hit it with his like his helmet, and so you know you can't put that. You can't really put that fully on Lamar, and so I like it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't really change the outlook for him, but it puts it in. It it at least creates some a little bit less distance for between them and the rest of the division, which I think that. If they'd won this game, they had a, a good path to close out the division, but now it makes it a little bit more interesting. That's really the implications yeah. from Baltimore's side that I see. The Ravens were in firm control that game, by the way. It was it was 24-9 yeah. late in the third. They start the fourth quarter started was 31-17. Yeah. And it's kind of a little bit of a collapse there. The the pick six really is what you know did the man, as you said. So um I still feel really good about the Ravens, though. I think Lamar is getting more and more comfortable. And then that's a tough defense. Like the, Lamar played better than pretty much any quarterback has against that defense this year, I think. So, yeah. And he's done it twice now. Yeah. He definitely they did it when they, the, they played the first time. It was 28 to seven. That was when Cleveland had DTR starting. And I, th- I think, yeah, I think it was DTR. And their offense couldn't do anything. So Lamar got a lot of chances. But I think just the fact that he's able to stand up with that defense and at least make plays in their run game. Did you know was able to take advantage of yep. some gaps in that defense where they are able to get attacked a little bit and yeah they're just a well-rounded offense and them I think that they're going to keep rolling. Yep. Um, all right, moving on. The Houston Texans go in to Cincinnati and win a shocker, like an absolute shocker. Yeah. Um, at the buzzer, game-winning field goal at the buzzer. Awesome game. Both these teams are playoff. I mean, they're, I think they're in the playoffs as of today. If the, if the playoffs started today, they're both in. Houston competing for that division, that crappy division with Jacksonville. And uh, and Cincinnati, they're, they're sitting at the bottom of the, the AFC North right now, but they look, they've looked great of recent weeks, including in this yeah. game. There was moments where they looked good. Um, I, I think both these teams probably end up in the playoffs. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, especially Houston. I think that this... I think this really flipped the perception of this team because now if you look at their schedule, what they've got coming up, they've got a pretty light go the rest of the year and winning this game kind of puts them in a kind of in the driver's seat to get to the playoffs. I don't know if they're going to win their division. They could come close, but I think that they're in the driver's seat to pretty much for sure get a wild card spot. If they keep playing the way they are and with CJ Stroud, it looks like, it's only getting better with each week. Stroud is let, let's that's where the, this conversation needs to be focused. Honestly, no one expected the Texans to compete. This is pretty much all on CJ Stroud. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, actually, I did I did John Hanson's show this morning with Adam Kaplan, and Kaplan just made a, a fantastic point that it's a really simple point, but I just hadn't thought about it in those terms of like the mark of a great QB is someone that elevates the guys around them. Yeah. Um, think about what te- the Texans have gone through this year. Their offensive line has been beat to crap up until now. Yep. They're, they're finally healthy. He, the first eight, nine games of the season, he didn't have his offensive line. Um, his receiver core is okay. It's average. It's probably right smack, middle of the league. There's nothing super special. Tank Dell's a really good find. But I don't uh, think they've had their full complement of receivers. In like, I don't think they've had all of their top guys – healthy in one game yet this year or if they have yeah, it's been like one 
probably depends what you consider their their top guy. Uh, right. Noah Brown's clearly playing better than Robert Woods. So yeah, um, from that standpoint, yeah, Noah Brown missed like the first what seven weeks of the season. Yeah. So so yeah, I mean, but still, even even with Brown on the field, like there, it's just it's an average unit. Like it's not a bad unit, but it's like Dalton Schultz is kind of yeah. Stroud's getting the most out of him. Nico Collins has got utility. There's some really good things about his game, but. He's not a true number one receiver. Tank Dell's like, uh, you know, a really tiny gadgety, you know, speedster who, yeah, he he looks great, but like he's got limitations. Stroud is making these guys better, and he's literally, literally throwing into windows that don't yet exist with yeah. anticipation and and rhythm and playing in structure, elevating that offensive line. Like everything just looks really, really juicy. Bobby Slowick needs a lot of credit too, calling the plays. He's dialing it up, but man, he looks awesome. Yeah. Yeah, he looks great. And he's, I mean, you can tell how confident he is right now. The the windows he is trying to place it in and the placement he's putting on the ball is, I mean, top three to five in the league right now. I don't I mean, there's not many people that are doing better, doing it better than he is. And I mean, just the poise he's had back to back weeks to drive, to take the offense down the field, to set him up to win the game. I feel like that is a, you know, it's an intangible that you can't really measure, but he's clearly got it. And that goes a long way. And on the other side, their defense has been playing well. Like the similar to their offense, they don't really have, you know, a superstar by any means. They have a lot of guys that do their job well. Greenard and Anderson are coming alive together, creating a lot of pressure on the outside. And they just have a you know a decent secondary, but it, same thing. They're just putting it together and they're playing well. They they've gotten beat up a couple of times, but they at least give the give the offense enough chances and keep them keep them in games enough that they're able to you know hang around and win. So it's just it's it's a credit to the coaching staff and it's a credit to CJ Stroud what they're doing yep. to you know take it from what we thought was going to be you know a full reset year. They were going to you know, win maybe five games and it it was a look toward the future, but now that timeline's accelerated for what they can be this year and in the future. Yeah. I think they were, they were tied for the betting favorite to have the number one overall pick this year, which they don't actually have. It's not that right. Um, They're looking ahead at their schedule real quickly. Arizona, Jacksonville, Denver. I think these three games are huge for them. If they can get two or three wins with this schedule, um, I think that's huge. Oh, are they? They're all at home too. Yeah, home. three yeah. straight home games against Arizona. So again, they come away with three wins. They got Tennessee twice and the Colts down the stretch. They're they're in the driver's seat to make the playoffs. That gets them to they win all three of these games. It gets them to eight wins, and then you got to basically win two of three against the Titans and Colts. You know, and then if that's like they they have a really good shot to make the playoffs. I'm I'm feeling yeah that. yeah they do. Um, for Cincinnati untimely loss for them we we do have to move on but real quick like burrow's definitely playing better he had a couple bad picks yeah. in this game, or i should say one bad one one not terrible one um just an untimely loss they needed this game they're they're in the thick of it as we said they're last in their division right now with a winning record which is crazy um you have to think that it's only going to get better for them and arumo's you know he's scheming it up out of his mind yep. as usual and burrows back to dealing. So I think as Higgins gets healthy, as Chase gets healthy, I think this this offense continues to, to, to truck and they'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, they will be. And I they've got a tough schedule coming up. It's, it's a really it's really gonna be a battle to get there, but they've got the horses to do it. And I think that they're at least gonna get at least get into a wild card spot and just them being in the playoffs is dangerous enough. That's all that matters is them getting there. It doesn't matter. I mean, obviously seating is nice, but they just need to show up. Yep. All right. San Francisco, Jacksonville, you know, not a lot to take away from this game. San Francisco goes to Jacksonville and they win 34 to three. I called this on the matchup points podcast because we know the formula to beating San Francisco. There's two things required. One, you got to have decent offensive tackles. If you can slow down the edge rushers of San Fran, their secondary has been bad this year. Um, two, if you can run the ball against them, you can control the clock a little bit. Yeah. Um, those two things, I think, 
are are not the strength of Jacksonville. Their tackles are not good. They've ran the ball well against bad opponents, but they haven't done so. They haven't really been able to establish it against good opponents. So and it hasn't been efficient either. Yeah, true. A lot of running into running into the backs of their own guys, and I the San Francisco defense has been susceptible to getting beat up in the run game this year. And the fact that they weren't able to generate much of anything out of that is it. That's the most concerning point coming out of this because they Jacksonville obviously wants to run the ball. It's yep. a you know it's a part of their identity, but. The fact that they can't establish it against good teams is concerning because you you saw what happens when you get into a straight drop back game. I mean, obviously, San Francisco's offense was cooking and they it, they showed what they can be with their full complement of weapons and everything. But I mean, I just don't. What looked like a great receiving core coming into the year is really falling short of expectations. For for Jacksonville? For Jacksonville. I think that they're not able to get uh, Calvin Ridley involved. Um, Christian Kirk can go off for games, but he's not super reliable. And Evan Ingram, they only use in, you know, they use in short game. I mean, they don't use him to push the push the push vertical at all. And so I just they're they're setting their own cap for what their passing game can be right now. It feels like through play calling and just the lack of guys breaking out and making plays yeah part of it part of the ridley thing steve to me is like for one like and dude i said this before the season started by the way um we had no idea what he was going to be he's been out of football for basically two full seasons at this point right so expecting him to come in and still be the dude he was was bad. The, those expectations were too high. And I don't know that Jacksonville felt that way, but I know the outside football world did. I just right. thought that, that was that was too much. Could he still be a good player? Sure. And I think what you see is a guy who has a he's still a, got a decent, you know, vertical skill set and they're using him as a vertical player. All yeah. of his routes almost are, are on that vertical stem tree. They're almost all the outside side. the numbers. Yep. And he just doesn't have the juice to beat the physical corners and they don't have the tackles to hold up to get him the time to beat those physical corners. That's the other problem. Right. So like in this game, I mean, Trevor was either under pressure or ball was out before Ridley's even out of his break on most routes. I mean, it was, yeah. and, and that's just been the theme all year. Christian Kirk, he continues to be a stud, but they're down Zay Jones. Um, and Ridley is not what people thought he would be. I think those two things, like, like you said, they're, they have a disappointing situation there at pass catcher. And um, I think early in the year too, Lawrence was trying to force it to Ridley to get yeah. him involved and that wasn't working either. So now he's just kind of backed off altogether. Yeah. Um, but man, yeah, they, they, they need, they need help. They need to get right. So um, any other thoughts? So move. Yeah. I mean, the 49ers are in a dog fight with Seattle for first place in that division. Yeah. And they still uh, have two games against Seattle. They haven't played them yet. Have they? I don't think that this week is the first one, right? It's coming. I week? think so. Yeah. Um, so both six and three, really the only guys competing in that division. San Fran obviously has a great team. I worry about Brock Purdy long term. Um, yeah, I mean, this is, uh, I forgot who I saw say it on Twitter, but I thought it kind of summarized that summarized Brock Purdy pretty well. And that's just if a defense takes advantage of the couple plays of chaos that occur with. Brock Purdy, San Francisco 49ers end up being in a close game or losing the game. You know, whether it's a win or loss, it's yeah. usually close. If a defense does not take advantage of those couple plays of chaos, then the 49ers run away with it. That's just, you know, that's kind of what their team is, is do does a team capitalize on the mistakes that Brock Purdy is inevitably going to make? Jacksonville yeah. had a couple opportunities and they didn't take advantage and could have kept them in this game. I still don't think their offense would have been able to get it done yeah. but it would have kept him in the game but they didn't take advantage of those things and san francisco was able to bounce back and you know obviously make plays and go down the field and score so i just think that that's really i mean san francisco rides and dies with brock purdy and how he plays and it's a stressful life but it's working because of the weapons that they have so let's let's do this real quick so if the playoffs were today i I don't know who I'm comp like super confident for the 49ers easily beat in the NFC playoff picture. 
I think Detroit gives them hell, especially if it's yeah. on there. If it's in Detroit, yeah. I think Minnesota gives them hell. We already saw Minnesota beat the Panthers. They already the did. Um, Philadelphia gives them hell. Yep. Dallas, Dallas gives them hell. Like, well, yeah, I mean, they, I mean, they beat the crap out of Dallas already. That's true. That is true. They Dallas did. is healthy at offensive tackle now, though, which I think helps. But true. Dallas can't run the football a lick right now, which is really hurting them. So maybe, maybe Dallas isn't as tough as we think they are for the 40. Yeah. Um, and then, so then you're left with what Seattle and new Orleans. Like I think new Orleans, San Francisco easily beats them. Seattle. We, I'm excited to see what that game looks like, but yeah, I think that, I mean, it has a lot of implications and I think that it could, this Seattle game could turn into what the Jacksonville game is. It yeah. was, but it, 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 Seattle can run the ball a little bit better. And if they can, for sure. if they can do that, then I think they'll stay in it this week. Yep. See, uh, Seattle also has an exceptional screen game as well, yes. which uh, the 49ers have gotten beat a little bit with. You know, because they do pin their ears back and go after the QB. Yeah. So yeah. They're, they're gonna have some voids there where they can hit the the screens behind that. Um, so yeah, I just I don't. All I'm saying is I think San Francisco is a really good team. I don't feel great about them right now, for whatever reason. I, I think. The powers in the NF in the NFC are all better, or all would win on a neutral field right now against San Francisco. Uh, and that includes Philadelphia, Detroit, Minnesota, maybe Dallas. But yeah, so, they, so point being, they need to keep winning because they're going to need yeah they're going to need the road to go through San Francisco. I think. But um, anyways, moving on, New Orleans uh, traveled to Minnesota to take an eight point loss. Um, the Minnesota Vikings continue to be. A wow team started 0 and 3 yeah. and 6 and 4. They're like this year's Detroit Lions, actually. Kind of crazy. Um, and then the New Orleans Saints, they're they're still in first place in that division, but that division sucks. And I don't feel yeah. great about them. Yeah. Um Minnesota is they're they keep defying the odds. They did it all last year. You thought that it flipped and it was over this year, but they're bouncing back and they're back to their old cardiac kid ways um i'm just massively impressed with their defense and what brian flores has done just the way he's able to confuse quarterbacks and confuse offensive coordinators is amazing is impressive i mean it's been impressive we knew brian flores had it i think a lot of people forgot just because he hasn't been at the helm of a defense in a while but he is one of the best coaches at getting more out of average players than almost any other defensive coordinator in the NFL. That's a fact. Um it just took all it just took him a few weeks to get in the groove. Like he yeah. had to find the identity. He didn't really know. I think training camp you you sometimes you get onto something in training camp and then realize once you're playing real games that it just wasn't working what you were doing. Right. And so he he corrected, went back to what he did in New England, went back to what he started doing in Miami. And yep. looks they they look good. He's getting a lot out of that defense. They torment quarterbacks. I mean, they yeah, it's it's hell. I mean, they mug up the they they mug it up at the at the uh, line of scrimmage almost every down. Yeah, sight picture is disgusting because of their blitz percentages, which are you know they're number one in the NFL. They're up near forty yeah. percent. I don't think they blitzed as much this week. I think that he was a little bit more. He was a little bit pulled back on that. I think that was just because he trusted his guys against their guys and kind of knew that Derek Carr gets a little bit worse when he's given more time in the pocket. Like if you <laughs> give him enough, if you like, it's kind of funny. If you give him more time, I think he overthinks it. And it, you know, I think that Flores knew that and, and trusted that. But they just they you don't know what's coming. They play a lot of man to man. They they make you get the ball out quick and. They've got, you know, Daniil Hunter's playing really well and generating a lot of pressure for that team. So yep, Minnesota's, sure. they're, they're on their way to the playoffs. I think that they can give almost, I mean, they've shown that they can give the 49ers trouble. I think they can give almost any team trouble right now with the way their defense is playing. And Josh Dobbs continues to be kind of the story of the year with the way and he's playing. That is the story. Uh, Josh yeah. Dobbs is the story. We buried the lead there. But, yeah, uh, we did. By the way, how how much like so Josh Dobbs started the season as Cleveland's backup. How much do you think they'd like him back right now? 
Yeah, I think they're kicking themselves right now yeah. for not hanging on to him because he would be perfect. That would be a perfect drop in right now. You feel a lot better really well about, there too. about the rest of your season with with Josh Dobbs and Philip Walker. That's for sure. But. Yeah, and the biggest question is, you know, we've seen Josh Dobbs play not the greatest in Arizona. He's obviously playing super well, and the the, the complement of weapons he has in Minnesota is vastly better than. Um, and the O-line, and he's getting Justin Jefferson back. I mean, do you, th- do you think that Dobbs can keep this up for the year? Do you think that, like, these this last week against a decent New Orleans defense, I think they've underperformed this year, but do you think that Dobbs can continue at this pace for the rest of the year? So one of the things I, I actually talked about this this morning with John, but one of the things I, I said was, like, he started this way in Arizona, too. He looked good. Um, they obviously won a game they shouldn't have won early. It was maybe week one they won. And then they competed against some teams you just did not expect them to compete against. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it was just Dobbs. And what he brings to the offense that's different than Kirk is a, a level of creativity. You know, Kirk's yeah. your traditional drop-back gunslinger type, you know, throw the ball in the tight windows. You, you can you can drop him back 50, 60 times a game. It don't, doesn't bother yeah. him. Dobbs isn't really that guy, but he has this creative element he brings where he is going to make things happen with his legs a little bit, and it's not always pretty. Like you know what it reminds me of? He reminds me of like a more athletic Sean Hill. Remember Sean Hill lines back? <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Dobbs has got that just this savvy creative ability where he can just make crap happen, and you're just not yeah. sure how it gets done, but it does. And he's he's a legitimate threat in the run game too. Like he moved the chains multiple times in this game, yeah. Specifically, um, he, he had the touchdown as well. So like. Is the is the passing efficiency going to be sustainable? I don't know. I mean, I, I would I would think the track record says no. That's probably why he's been traded four times in the last year and right. he's played for how many different franchises. I, NFL could also be wrong about him too. There's always that possibility. But um, I, I just tend to think that maybe maybe that drops off a little bit. There's got to be a reason. Like he's been on what five six teams now that and it just hasn't stuck. Like even the Lions traded him. Yeah. Cleveland. Like yeah. and the Lions needed a backup at the time. They had Nate Sudfeld and had not yet signed Teddy Bridgewater, and they traded him to Cleveland. So I don't know. I like I. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I, I I think you will see a slight regression, but the creative element he brings to the offense, plus the the addition of Justin Jefferson, I think will kind of level it out. I do think he's he's good enough to get them keep them in the playoff conversation, though. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think the way they're playing right now with the defense just kind of just putting their digging their heels in and holding up enough each time um they yeah i think that they they're going to be front runners for a wild card and yeah. if i mean as as a lions fan as a person who you know pays attention to the lions i think that they they make me nervous the the um the vikings can could give the lions hell now granted yep. a lot of cover one a lot of cover one and that could, you know, that's kind of Jared Goff's wheelhouse, but that's a conversation for another day. Yeah, I mean, we know the Lions struggle with with uh, mobile quarterbacks, and Jobs yeah. is definitely mobile. So, yeah, um, I texted you guys on Sunday watching the game where I, the frustrating thing about this is Josh Jobs is going to give the Lions trouble. You know, yeah, it doesn't mean the, I don't think necessarily Minnesota. It means they'll win, but those games could be a lot tougher than you think, or maybe they split. You know, one. Win in right. Detroit, win in, you know Vikings win in Minnesota. Um, that they're definitely better. And to your credit, you weren't buying the Vikings dip this year. Everyone was projecting. You thought they'd still be pretty. Yeah, good. Um, I, I thought I, they'd. I, I thought they'd maintain a little bit. I didn't yeah. expect this from the defense. I thought it was going to be you know a lot of shootout games, and it has right. been here and there. Yeah. But I didn't think the defense would take the step of play that they have taken. Right on. Uh, Green Bay goes to Pittsburgh and they lose by a score of 19 to 23. Um, P- uh, Green Bay is not in the playoff conversation, but no. Pittsburgh certainly is again. It doesn't matter. And what's crazy about the Pittsburgh, this Pittsburgh team, Steve, is I don't think I w- like the, it hasn't looked good in any game. Oh, no, they've been, they it hasn't looked pretty one single time. They've been outgained. In every single one of their games, and or like in every single one of their wins, maybe every game, I think it That's has got to be unsustainable, though. 
but it's I would say it's unsustainable except Mike Tomlin freaking just does this guy just wins games yeah and I mean I think what's what's leading to a lot of these wins is that their defense is really good and their defense it's they're playing similarly to Cleveland the difference that they're that they're getting that Cleveland is not getting is that Kenny Pickett just isn't turning the ball over they are not asking him to do much. All they're asking him to do is just hang on long enough, help flip the field, let the run game continue to pound it out and, and make a couple throws here and there. And the defense will figure out the rest. True. It's not pretty. It's, it's the most Steelers brand of football that you can ever think of, I think. And it just, that's all it is, is they just, it's just, don't make a mistake, Kenny. Don't make a mistake, Kenny Pickett. Just hang in there. Keep keep the defense, you know, keep them on the other side of the 50. Don't give them any, you know, short fields. And eventually the run game will break out. Eventually you'll you'll complete a pass that, you know, goes for a big play. Something will happen and we'll be fine. Yeah. And, and the run game has broke out. I mean, over 200 yards rushing this week. Uh, I think like 175 ish the week before. Like, yeah, they've definitely gotten back to it. Reminds me of the, um, gosh, what what year was it? It was when they had um, is pre Le'Veon Bell. They had like Rashad Mendenhall and who was the cat the the undrafted Willie Parker. Willie Parker, yeah. Mendenhall. It reminds me of that era a little bit where Mendenhall is the Najee Harris and and Parker is the Jalen Warren. And it's just this smash mouth brand of football where they've got like a thunder and lightning combo. And yeah. I, I don't know that Warren's necessarily lightning, but he's definitely a fat, more quick, faster guy than, than Najee Harris is. And yeah. Harris is kind of the hammer. Um, it, they're kind of finding the rhythm, though, of how to use those guys together. And they're both getting volume, too. Like, I think this is the second week in a row. They both had over 10 carries, like r- really good stuff. You're seeing that run game come alive. That's going to help pick it in the long run, too. Should open up, you know, some more play action stuff. It, it's just. All in all, it's just crazy what Tomlin is always able to do with with you know we talked about Flores getting the most out of average. I mean, what about Mike Tomlin? Yeah, Tomlin's right there. And <laughs> when crazy. you know where was Flores before he came to Minnesota? He, he was in Pittsburgh, so he you know picked up. He obviously continued to pick up that from another coach. Um, yeah, Pittsburgh, they've gotten lucky in a couple wins, like that Baltimore win that very easily could have not been if Baltimore receivers didn't phone it in. Um, But yeah, the Steelers are going to give teams troubles. And I, you know, I don't think I can write them. I don't think I can write them out for the playoffs. I think that they're one of the teams I feel more confident in to make the playoffs than a lot of teams in the AFC right now, just because of their defense and the way they've been playing. Yeah. Uh, Moving on the Tennessee Titans go to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay wins by a score of 20 to 6. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this game because these are both boring teams. Titans are not in the playoff picture. They're clearly um, playing their their future cards here with Will Levis now as the starting yeah. quarterback. But Tampa Bay, on the other hand, you know, they're four and five, but they are in the playoff mix because that division is bad. They're only a half game behind New Orleans. Um, I just don't love a lot about this team. They like they've my opinion on them has swayed like dramatically multiple times this year. Um <laughs> I love the receiving core. Mike Evans and yep. Chris Godwin, they're both playing well. Baker just continues to put the ball in harm's way in really untimely situations. Now, I, I know they yeah. won this game, so I'm not like ragging at him for this game specifically. But without with their offensive line being the way it is and their run game not being existent at all, their defense has taken a ma- major step back. Yeah. Just I don't feel great about them long term. I, no. I know that all they have to do is win their division games and they'll they'll win that division. But yeah, I just don't think they're a true contender. So I just I don't know. I don't really want to spend a ton of time talking about them. But no, I the Baker's starting to regress against pressure. Yeah, and we all predicted it. We all knew it was coming. It's happening. You're seeing it come to fruition. And yeah, the, they're a nothing. Yeah, they might win the division, but they're not giving any notable teams trouble in the playoffs. The key with Baker is his um, his body language. Watch his body language when he starts getting that frustrated hands on the hips vibe. That's when the wheels are coming off, and we yep. it started to come out the last this game not as much. The game before that though started to come out, and 
when Baker turns into a whiny baby, that's that's when things <laughs> shut down for him. So when he's out there having fun, then you know his team's probably playing well. He's playing well, but when he gets that pouty pouty dog face going, he just uh, the the wheels tend to come off at that point. So yeah. I, um, yeah, we we could probably move on. Atlanta travels to Arizona and they lose by a score of twenty three to twenty five in a thriller. By the way, this game was yeah. super thrilling. Falcons finally give Bijan Robinson the workload, and Artie Farty Smith takes the loss. Yeah, it's perfect for Arthur Smith's agenda, isn't it? <laughs> I think you were the one that put it out there that said, "Oh, good. Now that now that they lost, while Bijan got the bulk of the carries, it just it, Arthur Smith can justify what what he's been doing." Yep. But um, yeah, that's been Ritter now. The is he back as the starter? Sounds like right. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, I think it's Ritter the rest of the way. Ritter was inexplicably benched for throwing to Drake London and Kyle Pitts. So yeah. Um. I mean, seriously, he had his best two games of his career and got benched afterwards. Yeah. It was, it was kind of puzzling, but those guys had a lot of targets in those games, so you just have to wonder. It's like, is he not following the script? And then Johnny Smith, of course, only had two targets in this game, and suddenly Heineke's now on the bench. What happened there? So, <laughs> just saying. Just saying. All, all signs point to Arthur's agenda coming through. Um, no, on a serious note, though, I mean, the Fa- I don't think the Falcons are, are in the mix in that division. I think they're kind of falling apart. No. Arthur just got. I think he's starting to feel the pressure of because he's getting a lot of hard questions every week now. Yeah. Uh, he's no longer the new coach, the new shiny coach. There, he's the. This is kind of boring and stale, and you have all these weapons and you don't use them, buddy. So, yeah, let's crap or get off the pot. I guess um, the Cardinals, they're not really in the mix either. So, we can just move on. I, yeah, Car- I mean, Cardinals could make a push. I'm there. I'm interested to watch them with Kyler Murray. It's a crappy oh, it's conference. Fun. They could make they could make a push if Kyler kind of brings that offense alive a little bit. Yeah, and they have two first round picks next year as well. If I were them, yeah. I'd just continue to to lose, probably build, build that way. But yeah, um, all right. Moving on, the Detroit Lions travel across the country to the Los Angeles Chargers, Steve, and they win in a thriller, another thriller, like the fifth one of the week, forty one to thirty eight with a, a game ending field goal. There was a lot to unpack from this game. Um, yeah, I'll start with this. Anytime you travel three time zones and get a dub, doesn't matter how it happened, right? You, you did it. Um, <laughs> now, there's you, we could pick apart the Lions' performance and, and talk about the defense and how bad it looked at times, but also just want to acknowledge that Justin Herbert played out of his mind in this game. This wasn't like there's been games where the Lions' defense got picked apart. And it was just them, you know, communication issues, lack of pass rush, whatever. This game was not as much that it was. Herbert was just putting the ball on the money. I mean, what did he? Ha- what did we try for? Five hero throws? Yes, I, I think the six official count was yeah, right around there. It was I think six. It was six. Yeah, um, which is a lot, guys, for one game. I mean, he he was carrying this team on his back. And, and these yeah. windows were tight too. It's not like he was throwing to wide open receivers. Now there was one to Keenan Allen down the field that was pretty wide open. But yeah, um, the rest though, like he's he's creating. He's creating with his arms. So, um, anyways, start with the Lions, Steve. Uh, what did you see in this game from them? I saw an offense that just was doing everything they wanted whenever they wanted. Yeah, I mean, I think it was. You kind of knew what was coming for this game. It was, I think, the second or third play of the game. It was just an inside or outside zone to David Montgomery, and the offensive line legitimately got like it looked like a just a moving wall that was running at the same speed as David Montgomery. They they got legitimately seven yards of push before it was like I think it was like seven yards before uh, Montgomery got contacted. And it was just a wall moving in front of him. And that kind of set the tone for you. You, you knew that Detroit was in their wheelhouse and that they were going to be able to take control right from there. It looked like a Viking shield wall pillaging a Saxon village is what it looked yeah, like. It, it was comical. It was, <clears throat> it was absolutely comical. But um, you, you see that in college football sometimes. <clears throat> you don't see that a lot in the NFL where a defensive line literally gets moved four or five yards off the ball. No. That's so rare. Like the line but, of scrimmage literally moved. Yeah, it was it was 
absurd. But overall, I think that you, this is Detroit at its health, at their healthiest. They, the only person they were missing was Halapaluti Vitae. He's on the IR. He's done for the year. So Glasgow's in that's firm position. So that was the offensive line that you're going to yeah. probably see most of the rest of the year. Um, and you saw them finally hit their stride and they've been close in a lot of games this year, but I think you finally saw them hit their stride and we saw the elite ceiling that they have, that we've been, that we've known that they've, they've had and that they showed last year. And I just, they're, uh, it's a great offense. It's a ton of fun to watch the amount of wrinkles and the amount of planning ahead and just the way everything fits together, flows together is overall impressive. And Jared Goff is throwing the ball really well. I just think that what this, what this offense showed is scary for the rest of the year, because it just shows how much they can adjust on the fly and how well Jared Goff is seeing the field. Things were going so right for the Lions in this game that they, the 75 yard uh, Montgomery run was a different play call. They got the call in the huddle. For whatever reason, the Lions personnel got mixed up. They get to the line of scrimmage, or, or in Goff's words, they broke huddle, and he immediately realized they had the wrong personnel on the field for the play that was called. So he checks to this run, and then Montgomery takes it for 75 yards. That's when you know things are just going your way, and you're imposing yeah. your will on a defense. Yeah. Um, another funny thing, a just complete savage mo- moment for Ben Johnson, that critical fourth down run. I think it was in the third or fourth quarter. Not the Laporta one, the – it was an actual run play. It was the same the the wrinkle to St. Brown, where they yes. most oh, the, the, the count the counterback. Yeah, yeah. They that was the same play that uh, Jacksonville used to beat the Chargers in the playoffs last year. That was what that was the play that sealed that game. Wow. Uh, so so Ben Johnson literally. I mean, he admitted in the press conference he stole it from Jacksonville and then used it against the same team. That's um, awesome. And, uh, yeah, who's uh who's the Chargers middle linebacker? What uh, Kendricks. Or Kenneth Murray. Murray. Murray said that um, after that play happened, they all in the huddle were like, gosh, dang it, they got us with the same play that Jacksonville hit us with last year. Um, and, yeah. And they said uh, that a couple of their defenders said that every time they thought they knew what the Lions were doing, something they never prepared for would happen. Yeah. <laughs> and so it was just they were they were just constantly guessing the entire game. And that's that's Ben Johnson in his bag. This was, this was elite. Also – Ben's been telling us all season St. Brown is going to get some more deep targets. Like they've got that package and yep. he can do it. Finally happened this game. I think he had three deep targets, caught two of them. One of them, his only only not caught target was a, was a deep target as well. And it so, was a it was a perfectly placed ball. It was just an amazing play by Gilman. Yeah, finger barely got in there. <clears throat> yeah, um, and but I just it. So what's interesting, and maybe you'd be able to shed some light on this, is that. What has really helped the Lions is they've been playing against a lot of single high coverage this year. And yeah. that's where Jared Goff excels. When he can get it, when he can get into an offense against cover, cover one, cover three, that's right in his wheelhouse. And Los Angeles didn't they play about 50 50 too high, single high, but they should they shifted and they played 75 20, 75 25 single high, too high. So they kind of went away. They kind of yeah. game plan to think that single high was going to be what, you know, worked well, even though it it is interesting, though. I think it's purely by the amount of dropbacks, but in the 25% of the two high coverage, Detroit went for what? Like, yeah, 1.74 fantasy points per dropback. So they absolutely were able to create yeah. against their two high coverage. And I think that Jameson Williams, you're seeing him change the way they are able to play against two high. Yeah, that so two things there. The missing component for golf is, but they don't have the speed element. The best concepts against too high usually require a true speed element, and and yeah. Caleb Freeman's fine. Like he's a good, you know, fourth receiver, but the you know he's not a he's not like a dog, and and Jamison needs to step up and be that guy. The other thing though, and, and why you're probably wondering why the Chargers pivoted because they run too high more than most teams in the league. In this yeah. game, they I mean, yeah. single high, even though they know the the Lions you know tear up single high. And I think the main reason for that is you if you don't have two absolute hog molly daddies in the middle of that defense, you can't play too high against the Lions because they will run the ball right down your throat. 
And even with the extra safety in the box, the Lions still ran the ball down their throat. So yeah, they did. Um, and not many. I think the Eagles are probably the only team that could get away with playing too high against the Lions right now, as, as far as playoff playoff teams in the NFL. Yeah, because they could they could run a they could run a they could confidently run a bear front against the Lions. Yeah, and yeah you're feel good force... about their ability to stop the run. Right, right. So that's. Um, I think that's the, that's the big thing for them. And, and Goff, his entire career, not just with the Lions, he's shredded cover three. He's great against cover one. Um, th- you know, the Lions will like to dial up a lot of like mesh and, and crossing route concepts. Yankee. Yeah. Those, those play really well against in man coverage, obviously. So, yeah. Um, yeah. The, um, overall, you, I guess the real, the real big question for a lot of Lions fans, I think a lot of, uh, people watching the lions is is there concern with this defense going forward yeah it's it comes back to the same conversation quarterbacks that are mobile that can create out of structure hurt the lions um so yeah i mean that's the concern it's the concern's not new or right or anything. um herbert was also playing out of his mind you know if herbert plays yeah, like he was five percent less good i think the lions blow them out to be honest yeah yeah, I mean, they, I think, they looked that way early in the game. The Lions had a what a seventeen point lead at one point. Yeah, they, I think uh, they were up seventeen to three. They were up seventeen to three. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, they could have been up twenty four to three. It was close. I mean, we I'll touch on it quick. The Dan, the aggressiveness of Dan Campbell is a big takeaway from this game because oh, I mean, again, it's a huge win for it's a huge win for analytics. Huge win for coaches making fourth down decisions because it, this it obviously easily could have flipped the other way, but. That you're seeing him get more confident in the offense, and that's shown in his aggressiveness and going at forward on fourth down. Is that he knows his offense is hitting their um, is hitting their stride, and it's showing with how aggressive he's being. Yeah, I, I love that that last fourth and two call to, to, yeah. to go for it, the throw to Laporta. Even if they don't get that, I love the call. I mean, you are um, you don't want Herbert to get the ball back, so right where we want to end this game with the offense on the field. I, I love that mindset, that default aggressive mentality. The reality is, is there's, there also was, wasn't a non-zero chance they make the field goal or right. don't make the field goal. Riley right. Patterson's not, I mean, it was a 43 yarder. It would have been. So it's not like a given for Riley Patterson that he makes that. Uh, pro- he probably makes it, but like, I think you no have to guarantee that as well. Yeah. No guarantee. Yeah. So I love the aggressiveness. I love just finishing it on your terms. So, yeah. And for uh, the, for the chargers from this game, I mean, Justin Herbert, if he can play like this the rest of the year, that's awesome. But the defense is an issue. That's oh. the bit. Their defense is an issue. It's the, you've seen it quite a few times this year. They've been picked apart. I think that there was uh, some fool's gold the last couple of weeks where it looked like they were starting to figure it out. I think that was just a product of playing bad offenses and yeah. you're you're seeing that good offenses can absolutely shred them and i don't i don't know if they make the playoffs i kind of think that they're going to be on the outside looking in just because of this defense it doesn't matter it clearly shows that even when justin herbert plays his best game against good teams they're in trouble yeah they I, they're a full two games back out of the playoff race right now this is a must win game for them it was um, and i i just i don't see it happening with their defense so yeah, but we, we need to move on. The Giants yeah. go to Dallas. We're not going to spend any time in this game. Uh, nope. Breaking news: The Giants suck. Dallas has a good team. <laughs> Dak, Dak Prescott's playing probably his best ball in a few years right now. Um, this is what Dak does, though. He beats up on good teams, or uh, I'm sorry, beats up on really bad teams. And then against good teams or good defenses, I should say, he he tends to uh, struggle a little bit more. So, no surprise to see him just mollywop the Giants like this. I mean, they yeah. were they were literally teasing them at one point, like. Yeah, they had a, a three touchdown was, lead, and Dak still throwing Yolo balls to to Michael Gallup in the fourth quarter. So I mean, yeah, yeah, and, and I mean, they're, they're getting the CD more involved. That's what's notable. Yeah, oh, CD's on a historic tear. Five hundred yards, five hundred yards in three games, one hundred sixty six point six yards a game. Dallas was so obnoxious in this game, though. They put in Cooper Rush and threw the ball ten more times. Yeah, with the backup quarterback. Yep. Usually, you bring him in to run the ball to end the game. They're like, nah, screw that. We're, we're racking up points here. Anyways, um, Washington goes to Seattle, and they another freaking thrilling game. Yeah. They lose by a score of 29-26. The Seahawks get it done to go to 6-3. and three. They're still tied for first place with the 49ers in that division. Um, 
I know the commanders aren't in the playoff race. Real quick, just want to talk about Sam Howell. Really yeah. quick. He's figuring things out, guys, the last three weeks. Uh, and it might be as much Eric Bieniemy figuring things out as, as him. But they are getting the ball out of his hands a little bit faster. They're not yep. getting him on the move as much on purpose. And it's resulted in his the pressure rate against him dropping. thirty. It's down to 30% the last three weeks compared to 39% the first uh, seven weeks. Huge improvement. And a lot of that is just throwing in rhythm, st- try to stay in the structure of the play, throwing to open receivers. And that's really what Howell has done. He has found the open receiver. I think in the last three weeks, 81% of his targets are to guys that we have deemed as open. Um, that's how we charted them. That ranks first in the NFL. So um, finding open receivers, throwing in rhythm, that's going to that's gonna do well for you long term. So also, turnovers way down, Steve. He's only two picks yeah. in that stretch, no fumbles. Yeah. He's only taken uh, seven sacks, and that sounds like a lot. Three games, seven sacks. But he was averaging six sacks a game prior to that stretch. And these were against good defenses, by the way. Seattle, yeah. New England, Philadelphia, Howell's putting it all together. Really yeah. like what I see from him. Probably not for this year, but going forward, maybe he's the guy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, he's giving himself another year or two. You know, it's, it's yep. worth seeing. It's worth seeing him through his rookie contract. And, you know, I think that this was a huge game for running backs, the brand of running backs. Because um, I think that, I mean, they had like four touchdowns total scored by running backs between the two teams. Um Say like Brian Robinson getting involved in the passing game for uh, Washington. And that was the little bit of creation that Sam Howell has is that when you, when it's a little bit more controlled, when he's not as frantic, he can create outside the pocket. And he did that a couple of times. So yeah. Washington's a, Washington's a fun team going forward, but for Seattle, you know, they continue to win kind of ugly. It's yeah. the last five weeks five, six weeks, it's been a lot of just ugly games for them that have resulted in, you know, one really bad loss to Baltimore and some scrap scrap it out um, wins and losses uh, with everyone else. And so I just, the offense is good. The defense hangs in. I think that the way they got gashed in the running game was kind of surprising. This is a team that had been playing really well against the run and the way they got gashed today is, or Who, commanders, commanders, do you mean? No, the Seattle. You felt like they got gashed in the run game? I, I thought they – maybe I'm wrong, but I thought I remember them getting, you know, picked apart a little bit at times. I could be remembering yeah. incorrectly, though. That's it's, also a I possibility. Don't, I think Washington, like, had the least amount of run carries on the on the week because they were losing. But, um, I mean, so Washington's running backs did have good days, but it was in the past. Maybe game. that's maybe I'm maybe I'm convincing myself from the yeah. all the checkdowns to Robinson yeah. the way he was creating short with that. Yeah, Robinson had 120 yards receiving. Yeah, that's uh, Gibson hilarious. had like 50, and they both scored. So that's probably what you're thinking. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. They, so they only ran 14 times in that game for 68 yards. So oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't I misremembered then? No, that's cool. Um, I mean, those plays are basically extensions extensions of the run game, anyways. But um, yeah, the the Seattle defense, to your point though, they just they the second level guys weren't tackling. <laughs> like, yeah, weird. Um, a lot of short passes for Howell turned into big plays for for the Commanders. So that that definitely was a little concerning. Yeah, and it just I mean, yeah, Seattle's going to be in it. I'm I think this is a huge game for them against San Francisco. Because if they can hang in and make it a close game, yeah. at least make you know keep themselves within a score, whether they win or lose, I think that's a win for them. Because being able to, they've lost to the Bengals, they lost big to the Ravens. Before that, they lost the Lions in a close game. So I think that this is a big game to project how they're going to be in the playoffs and what they're going to look like as a you know if they're a contender or just a team that you know makes it and doesn't do much. Yeah, one thing I loved from the Seahawks this game. Metcalf, 7 for 98. Lockett, 8 for 92. Jackson Smith and Jigba, 4 for 53. They got all those guys involved finally in the same game. Um, and that's what it's going to yeah. take to win to win in the NFC. Like, you're going to have to get those guys involved. The pass game is going to have to be robust. I know it's not Pete Carroll's first instinct to, to let Geno drop back 50 times in a game, but I think there's going to be game scripts where that's necessary. And it's good to see them do it and do it well and get the W. 
Yeah, and they're introducing Charbonnet a lot more. I think it's almost yeah. been near, near 50-50 split. And I think that what he offers in the passing game opens up their offense a little bit more. Yep. All right, moving on. We got two more games to go, kind of. Um, the Jets <laughs> travel to the Raiders to lose. Oh, this is a brutal, brutal game to watch. 16-12. to 12. Steve, I don't I, – I know we have to talk about it because, you know – both these teams are technically still in it somehow. somehow. Yeah. Yep. But I don't want to talk about this game. This is one of the most gross games I've ever watched in my life. It was horrible. Every part of it. I mean, I like seeing Antonio Pierce get another win as a head coach. That was nice. Yeah. Yeah. But you don't get the satisfaction of that till the game's over, which means you had to watch the whole game. So, um, <laughs> God, the Jets are just their reluctance to divert from Zach Wilson's crazy. And then they're going to lie to you to your face and say, he played well in this game. Shut the front door. Who are you kidding? Why? Yeah. Why? I don't, I don't know. I mean, Aaron Rodgers is telling people he's going to be with the team next week. They're starting this week. Yeah. He said December, he could make a comeback, which seems unfathomable. He told McAfee, I, maybe I misheard him. I'm pretty sure he told McAfee. He's going to be practicing next week, Thanksgiving week. He'll be with the team full time. That's insane. I mean, if um, he can if he can actually get back and get cleared medically and play, as long as they can keep themselves in the playoff race, they have a chance. He'll play uncleared medically. He'll just sign a waiver. <laughs> yeah, right. But, yeah, I mean, the Jets' defense is awesome. It just stinks that they have to tote along yeah. this anemic offense. Uh, yep. The best play of the day was Zach Wilson's near Hail Mary completion. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just, it's an ugly. I mean, props to Antonio Pierce and the Raiders for realizing that they have Devontae Adams on their team. The last two games, his, his workload has gone up because it's almost like trying to get your best player of the ball is a good thing. Yeah. But, well, yeah, some, somehow both these teams are in it though. But I don't think, I don't think either of these teams project are going to make a push. I think the Raiders, you know, their defenses can get beat up and Aiden O'Connell isn't the answer. The Raiders are only a half game out of a playoff spot right now, which is wild. It's hilarious. Um, I don't think it's going to stay, but I did like Antonio Pierce basically threw shade at Josh McDaniels in the press conference when they asked about Devontae Adams. Yeah. He was like, what, what did he say? Like, I'm not, I'm not. Oh, he said basically something. He basically called Josh McDaniels dumb. Like, uh, like yeah, I'm not so dumb I, I know, I know to throw the ball to our best player. That's not that's right. Not hard to out. Right. Yeah. Something to that effect. But I thought that was great. Like, wow, did did he not enjoy working for Josh McDaniels? So, um, anyways, let's move on. Uh, Denver, God, another just another shocker game. Denver travels to Buffalo to win by a score twenty four to twenty two. This game also came down to the wire. Um, I joked about it to start the show. Josh Allen just doesn't. He's just not playing well right now. Just flat out not playing well. He's turning down open receivers like on the regular. Um, and opting for either some type of scramble around creation ceremony or whatever. It just, he's not seeing the field, Steve, and the accuracy is depleted as well, which he's always, that's always been shaky for him. But yeah. the, typically for him, the crazy plays, the, the jaw dropping plays outweigh the what are you doing plays. And it hasn't been the case the last four or five weeks. And, um, and I think that's why you've seen Buffalo come back down to earth a little bit. And that's what I think it is, is that. It's not that they're not moving the ball. They are. They were moving the ball up and down the field this game. It yeah, was just they, the they made really well. They ran the ball really well, which yeah. you could tell. That's that's pretty much everyone's game plan against Denver is yep. run. Their their passing defense is coming into form a little bit. I think that they finally found the secondary combination they want, and Vance Joe. They're getting settled in Vance Joseph's uh, scheme. Patrick Sertan's taking a step forward. They're playing well, but you can run against them. And it, yeah, it's just, it's not that Josh Allen isn't producing because he's producing. It's just that he has backbreaking plays or this team in general has backbreaking plays that completely crater a drive and give the ball to the other team. And it just, that's the risk with Josh Allen. Like you said, it's what he is, it's who he is. And you're just seeing more of those plays turn into turnovers than they were before. 
And yeah. I, their defense is a legitimate concern. The amount of guys that they have out is is concerning, and teams are able to really move the ball against them, and that really limits their ceiling. I think that before, you know, in years prior, their defense was so good they could withstand a lot of you know some of those Josh Allen screw ups, and they could bounce back, get the ball back, and their offense would keep moving the ball. They had more chances, but with the way teams are able to move the ball against Buffalo. It just limits the amount of chances the offense gets, and that's you know, it. Just leads to those turnovers being more backbreaking than they were before. Yeah, how many times has Josh Allen fumbled this year? God, I need to, I need to figure that out. It's been a lot. I want to say it's like I want to say he's up to like nine. Wow, and then like th- you know, interceptions are high for him too. Right, well. right. Um, all of a sudden, Denver is in the playoff race now and looks to be a an interesting team. Again, just this AFC is wide open enough and Denver has winnable games down the stretch. They obviously that division is completely different. I think they can beat Los Angeles. They obviously can beat the Raiders and hey, they already played the Chiefs twice and they beat them once. So, you know, two of their hardest games are out of the way and they went one and one in them. I it Russell Wilson is starting to create a little bit more. I think that it's been a lot with his legs. And I think that Sean Payton has completely neutered him to a point where it's like one read or go. Yeah. (laughs) Like that's kind of what it is because you're not – I mean that throw to Cortland Sutton in the end zone was insane. That was like vintage Russ. But you're just not – he's not pushing the ball down the field a ton. It's just kind of having him be a game manager and have him use his legs to, you know, create in the run game. But the yeah. the defense taking a step forward has been what's changed the trajectory of this team. The, their ability to defend the pass again yeah. is helping them is helping keep them in games. It's weird when you put Patrick Sertan in, in man coverage that he he turns into a, a game changer for you. Really good. Just never thought that would happen i guess but um all right i think that's it we did it yeah that's we, every game. we wanted to go under an hour but steve and i talk a lot so uh, yeah. sweet thanks for listening we're gonna tease some tools guys we got some new tools coming out soon i don't know i can't give you a date yet but i would say we're we're weeks away maybe a month away from from a new tool launch at the data suite some really cool stuff. Um, again, these tools are focused on making the user experience more easy. So if you don't have time to use all the cool filtering capabilities, you ju- we're just giving you raw data in its finest state and uh, making it easy on you. Some really cool stuff. I, I can maybe, uh, can I tease a little bit? Yeah. So one of them is going to be a blitz centric tool. That's really cool. Another one will be a route centric tool. That will be really cool. Another one will be a uh, personnel tool which is gonna be really cool so um and there's more to come too we got a bunch in the works that's just what's coming that's the next batch of tools coming out um yep. shoot we might even have one up today i don't even know i know one's in review right now or i should say final review beta testing so um anyways we'll uh we'll get those wrapped out make sure you're always checking in though at uh, fantasypoints.com data.fantasypoints.com for the data suite um that's where all our stuff is and thank you for listening we will be back next week we are out Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.